Hi there. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Hey, can you hear me echo? Uh, I don't think so. Not really. Fantastic. Well, now that we've got that really important scintillating start out of the way, <laughs> yes. I am so happy to talk to you. You know how when you, you meet somebody for the first time or you see somebody for the first time and you're like, I want that person in my life. Well, yeah. I, I don't want to scare you, but when I meet you and then I went on your website and I looked at your insanely amazing fashion sense, I was like, I may have to stalk that woman. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. The feeling is mutual. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so pleased that you don't have to get out a restraining order. So, <laughs> so Diana Cadet is, among other things, an incredible fashion not what I'm, I'm going to talk to you about today. Well, actually, okay, I definitely am going to talk to you about that today. Mm -hmm. But you're also a certified clarity coach. And I have to tell you that about a year ago when I woke up really, really vague, and for me, vague is not a great state to be in. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. I wrote down the words clarity, clarity, <laughs> clarity coach and my reminders. And every day for the past year, Clarity Coach has popped up at the start of every day. Wow. That's, yeah, the universe wanted us to meet. It only took a year for you to manifest, you know. Excuse me, but you're late. You're running late. <laughs> I, that, I, that's a common trait of mine. I'm, I'm always late. And so, I'm always passionately late. <laughs> passionately late. I adore that. So I, I want to talk about your amazing website. Diana has this, this website with one of the best names ever, I-C-U-S-I-S. And that's I-S-E-E-Y-O-U-S-I-S dot co. What an incredible name. How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, when I started this journey as a coach, uh, the main thing that I knew I wanted people to feel was something that I had felt for the majority of my life um, that I, I didn't feel. And that was that I wanted people to feel seen and heard. I wanted people to know um, that, that I hear them, I see them, um, I'm there for them. And um, I see you, sis, also kind of in my mind, had it had the double meaning of, you know, it's a colloquialism in um, American, uh, African American vernacular English of like, oh, I see you, I see you, sis. Like, sis is, is something that we tend to call each other. It's really familiar. And saying, I see you. Um, really connotes like, oh, wow, like, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm really proud of you. Um, I really support you in whatever you're doing. So all of that meaning, I, I kind of wanted all of that meaning in one name. And uh, I see you sis kind of did that. You spoke about you, 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 you were unheard, you were unseen. Part of this is when you were in the tech industry. Yes, uh, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I had kind of a windy career path and somehow went from fashion to tech. Um, and in tech, I really I really stood out, um, of course, in a sea of, you know, hoodies and and sneakers. <laughs> um, but more than that, uh, I, you know, tech does have a long way to go in terms of, you know, diversity and inclusion and equity and belonging. And a lot of the companies that I worked for, unfortunately, 
you know, no, not only had a long way to go, but they, you know, weren't necessarily willing to do that work beyond a superficial level. And so I, you know, just constantly felt like no matter how much work I put in, how much effort I put in, I was invisible to, you know, to leadership, um, or, you know, I was undermined, or I was underestimated. And it, at, while at first it was motivating in a way, especially coming from fashion and knowing that, you know, that my um, people might construe that as, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing and that kind of thing. At, at first, it was kind of fun to um, turn people's perception of me around on, on its head. But after a while, it just it just took its toll on me. And I left and vowed to never feel that way again, or or let a company or a boss or anyone make me feel that way again, and vowed to help other people that had experienced that or are currently experiencing that um, to, to cope through that and see their worth, because so much of our worth is, is unfortunately is tied to, you know, how we're perceived and how society sees us and how society treats us. And, um, in industries like tech, where your, your value is really tied to your productivity, you know, that I, I wanted to, to see people through that and, and help them see that that doesn't have to be the way that they live their life. And it takes such a huge toll, as you put it, on your emotional and mental health. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you can end up in such a hole. So now, now you have you've been there. You can help people get out of that hole. Yeah, I I have been at the very depths of that hole. I I you know I I already have a history of of mental health issues, you know, I, I battle depression and anxiety. And so that on top of, you know, the microaggressions and the systemic racism and, and all of that stuff that I that I endured, it, it really brought me down. And it, it took for me to get to that point to realize, you know, what is what is my life about? Like, I, I should not want to end it all because of my employer that that doesn't seem right to me that doesn't seem normal and and so that really lit the fire under me to kind of m go forth and show that to other people because whether I, I found that whether people consciously you know felt this way or not that's how the majority of us were living especially before the pandemic um, where our entire everything about our lives was came down to our employment um, our employment status, um, where we worked, how we worked, all that, all that sort of stuff. And just once you reach that, that level of, of darkness, you start to realize what really matters and what doesn't. And I realized no job could or should ever make me feel that way ever again. Thank you so much for your bravery in being so honest I Absolutely. have been so scared to say out loud guess what there are times when I just don't want to be here because the fear of being judged the fear of people treating me differently of reacting in different ways it is a hard thing to say out loud without triggering other people mm -hmm. in ways that can cause 
negative reactions when you're simply stating what's true for you right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am very much looking forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I, in general, I'm a very, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, but with regards to mental health issues, I, I realized a few years ago, you know, staying quiet about it was like, was part of what was contributing to those stigmas. And I, I wanted to break down those stigmas and I, I wanted to kind of hold up a mirror, you know, at the time to my employer's faces and say, hey, I'm a human being and I go through things and things that happen at my workplace, unfortunately, will affect me outside of it. And you have to hold space for that because you're not you're not employing a bunch of robots. You're employing a bunch of human beings with their own stories and histories and traumas and and ailments and and what have you and so for me it was it became almost kind of kind of like a point of power of of every time I'm able to be truthful to myself and honor myself and say I deal with this not only am I you know reminding people that this is common and this is normal but I'm hoping that I'm helping someone else be brave enough and and realize like you don't have to hide it because this isn't this isn't a moral failing on your part that you're dealing with this and the first step to getting help is to you know admitting it out loud to yourself to loved ones to your support network you know that that narrative has to be out there otherwise you're just left alone and that's the biggest part of these type of struggles is that feeling of loneliness and and I think really talking about it and and then finding community with other people who are open about it really helps combat that. I think employers are starting to learn how to be more compassionate and hold space not only for people who are neurodiverse or who's, who have mental health issues but when current events are so traumatic mm-hmm to leave us space and time to respond to that and to react to that and to recover for that. Mm-hmm. What I what I hate so much is, is often feeling that I have to lie, telling yeah. people that I'm fine so they feel better, telling people that I'm fine so mm-hmm. they don't feel they have to manage the situation uh, so I don't have to look after their feelings as well as mine. Yeah, Absolutely. I love that on your Facebook page, it says, and this is pure poetry. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to make this into a rap. Um, hyperbolic, melancholic, so neurotic, technologic. <laughs> yes. So actually, it is it is kind of based on a rap. Um, it's a song by Daft Punk. Uh, I think the song is called Technologic. And I just switched the lyrics around to describe me. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> It is meant to be read as a rap. <laughs> it is just absolutely brilliant. I'm, 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 I'm getting a t-shirt with it on. <laughs> I, I see a whole fashion range based around that. So, it. so your your experience, strength, and hope has led you to create an incredible eight week course, yes. and uh, for people to help get them, bring them out of the hole, to be seen, to be heard, to get clarity, and to have the life of their dreams. Would you yeah. tell me about your eight week course? Yes, absolutely. So it's eight weeks now, um, but originally it was six weeks. But yeah, the idea was, you know, 
kind of I kind of wanted to um, mirror the experience that I had over the last year through the pandemic. Um, so the course is broken down into a handful of modules and the modules kind of mirror that experience as well. And the first module that I think is really the most important module is doing the inner work. And so really the goal was, you know, for people who are feeling stuck in a rut, or if, if you're the type of person that, you know, you're always looking ahead, but, or you're always looking towards the light at the end of the tunnel, but you're, you're feeling like you're in a place where you don't see that light, you don't see a way out, you, you can't envision what the future looks like. I really wanted to help people gain the emotional clarity they needed to, to solidify that vision for themselves. And so it starts with doing the inner work. And that that really includes, you know, reassessing your values, because one thing I realized, and I had to work through myself was pre pandemic, everything was so automatic. And I was living on autopilot, like many people are. And the pandemic was what made me really sit back and assess like, what, what are my core values? What do I hope to embody as a person? What, what type of contribution and impact on the world do I want to have? And, and I never really asked myself those questions, because I was stuck in the rat race of, you know, wake up, go to work, come home, leisure time, go to sleep, wake up, do it all over again. And so I really wanted people to, you know, confront that, confront their value, confront their belief systems. You know, a, a lot of times when you ask people, what are your values? You know, they're parroting things that they're parroting a list that either they, you know, came up with a, a few years prior, or just a list of things that, you know, their parents taught them without ever really questioning it. And it's not necessarily that the list is wrong, but it's just, does it still hold meaning to you as opposed to it just sounding good or sounding right? And so getting people to do that work, because once you figure out that core set of values, it really sets the stage for everything else in life. And it, it really is a great kind of marker to go by of, does this job suit me? Does it, does it allow me to live my values? Um, and if not, but I'm still okay with this job, then what can I do outside of this job to kind of live my values? And that's sort of where that idea of purpose comes in, you know, like feeling like you have a purpose because you have your core values and you're embodying them every day. And so through, through that inner work, then we start, you know, the creative planning process, which is how can you make that happen? And I'm right there with you as a partner, as a coach, so that you you don't have to go through it alone and you don't have to feel overwhelmed and and like you have to ha know all the answers and have everything together. So I'm really there in that process to, you know, ask you those powerful questions and and be there for you to bounce ideas off of and 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 all that good stuff. And once you kind of sort of have a vision for your future solidified, then we kind of, then we can work together to, you know, put together an action plan that's realistic. Again, like I'm, I'm the worst at this, you know, making to-do lists every single day that are probably a little bit too ambitious, but they make me feel good. But then when I don't accomplish them, I don't feel that great. And so I definitely didn't want that to be the end point of the program. I wanted to work with my clients to come up with an action plan that fits within their life, their lifestyle, their goals, 
within a, a reasonable timeline, one that makes them feel good about waking up every morning and actioning on, no matter how long that journey takes, right? Because it's not a race. Um, and then just helping them, you know, hold themselves accountable and figuring out support networks so that beyond the program, how can they continue this momentum? Um, because, you know, a relationship with a coach, it tends to be temporary, it tends to be short and, and, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to feel like that steam, you know, has dissipated after the, the program is over. So helping them identify what barriers um, that they're facing and, and come up with solutions to those barriers and come up with a support network of people that they can lean on as for accountability um, and giving them tools throughout the whole process to confront their limiting beliefs. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what's going to keep that momentum going. Um, one of my clients um, came up with the term cognitive confrontations that I really love because that's exactly what I, I try to do with my my clients in every single session, right, is, is getting them to confront those limiting beliefs, getting them to confront negative self-talk, which we all have, getting them to confront those feelings of, I can't do this, or I'm not good enough, and asking them why, who's telling you that? Why, why do you believe that? And, you know, and especially in the, in, in the case of people who tend to be caretakers, getting them to unburden themselves. Who told you that you're responsible for this or this person's happiness or that or whatever it may be? And, and a lot of times, once people take even a second to think about it, they're like, oh yeah, that's not a thing that I need to do or worry about. And, and that's powerful, right? And, and teaching them methods to, to do that on their own regularly, checking in with themselves regularly so that, again, beyond the program, they they don't feel as though they're going to falter or fall back into bad habits and, and things like that. So really just setting them up for success and, and to live a life of purpose with meaning and a life that they're happy with. I love it. Uh, as you were talking, I was remembering uh, clients of mine that have said, oh, I can't wear that. Everybody will think I'm, everybody will think I'm. And I'm like, who's everybody? Name yeah. names. Can you specifically <laughs> tell me these people? And when they actually try and think about who everybody is, it's maybe one, two people who have no taste whatsoever yeah. and whose opinions they really, whose opinions, values, lifestyle, but they don't aspire to. Yep, exactly. We, we turn, uh, it's amazing how much power we give to other people. We turn other people into a higher power. Exactly. Um, which is a whole nother podcast. You are a certified clarity coach. What, how, how do you get certified in clarity? So clarity coaches is, is the title I gave myself because it, it's really what I, I, the, the, the type of coaching that I wanted to specialize in, in terms of the certification, um, I, I completed a certification program at the flow Institute. Um, and so that is, um, an institution that that teaches you, you know, the basics of coaching and and a, the, their own, you know, specific framework. Um, and they're accredited by um, the International Coaching Federation. And you know, at at first, I I only because coaching isn't really um, regulated. But as a Black queer woman, I 
I, you know, and with my experience in tech and in many other industries, I knew, you know, that my, my accredit, a, a, like my accreditation, is that a word? I don't know, <laughs> um, <laughs> would, would come into question, right? But actually going through the program was so eye-opening for me, so freeing for me. It, it was just an amazing program with amazing people. I And it just solidified with every passing week that this was my true calling. And I, I just loved every second of the experience. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's basically what that means. And, and what, with that, with carrying that badge, it means that there is a, a code of ethics that I follow. Um, not that I would have followed, followed it otherwise, but um, they have it very plainly on their website. So I can direct clients to there just to, you know, give them that that sense of, of security of, yes, I, I've been coached, I know what I'm doing. And these are my values. And these are my ethics. And this is what you get from me as your coach, aside from, you know, the, the specific Diana experience. <laughs> This is really important. Uh, the life coast industry is is unusual in that at the moment, to the best of my my knowledge, it is not regulated. So anybody can say they're a life coach. Yep. So being FCI certified is important, but also looking at your coach, saying, do they have what I want? Do they exemplify what I want? Uh, do they have uh, can, do they have the skills that I want? And more importantly, do I feel I, they get me. Do they see me? Do they hear me? And are they, and are they willing to be, to be there for me? So, absolutely. Uh, you have you talk about CBT. I first read it as CBD, which I thought was hilarious. But we're talking <laughs> about cognitive behavioral therapy. Would you explain briefly what that is? Yes. Um, so cognitive behavioral therapy is really just you know frameworks and coping mechanisms to. For especially if you uh, battle with anxiety or you tend to overthink or ruminate a lot, um, we call them thinking traps, um, just tools that you can use to kind of stop, reset, check in with yourself and, and move forward as opposed to, you know, getting stuck in that shame or, or anxiety spiral um, that we so often do. So you know, a lot of time, like if you if you tell, you know, any random person like, oh, try CBT, they might, they might not think it's for them, because they don't have an anxiety disorder, or they they don't see themselves as being uh, as worrying a lot. But the truth of the matter is that a lot of us, all of us fall into thinking traps, whether it's, you know, black and white thinking, or, you know, um, a big one is, um, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, you know, taking things personally, rather than looking at it, the big picture. And so my frameworks are definitely, they kind of marry CBT um, solutions to get people again, to do the those cognitive confrontations. So things like thought logs, where you know, you you have a thought that you're ruminating on, and you write it down. And, and then you ask yourself, like, how does this make me feel? What am I thinking is happening versus what, you know, what actual uh, facts or data do I have that, that shows that this is happening versus that shows that it's probably not what I think is happening. Just things like that to kind of get you to get out of your head, really. 
one great thing about having a coach is you can get reality checks. Yes. As in, guess what? I think this. And a coach like Diana will walk you through it and go, huh, can we talk about that? Yeah, exactly. Hey, so you you focus on women, femme, and femmes, I, which is self-identified, women who self-identify as being women. Is, is that how you'd explain it? Yeah, I, I, I coach women and femmes of all genders. Um, I decided that because I think anyone that, especially those who self-identify, but anyone who kind of falls into that femme or, or feminine leaning, you know, whether it's in their looks or attitude or, or whatever that may be, they're, they're more like, they're likely to be marginalized as a result of that, right? Um, because of sort of the patriarchal society that that we live in. Um, so I really wanted to capture everyone and anyone that might fall under a sort of marginalized gender or gender identity. I started my podcast because I love women of all kinds. And it is such a privilege to be able to talk to any human being who identifies with that. Mm -hmm. Can we get back to your amazing clothes? I want to come to Toronto. <laughs> I want to come to Toronto and I want to dive into your wardrobe, roll around in it and take <laughs> it home with me. You will have to physically throw yourself between me and your clothing right now. There, there, are, many, there are many times that I wish this was a video podcast um, <laughs> because I, I feel freer when I'm, I'm talking on the phone. But yeah. I'm looking at you now. I'm looking at this divine yellow leather jacket. We have a very similar style aesthetic, and, and I want it so badly. I'm looking at your Instagram posts. I'm seeing this fantastic snakeskin top. I'm seeing a boyfriend white shirt with some fabulous black writing on it, which I can't quite read. I'm looking at this pink satin number. I'm looking at this blue soft woolen jumper, which is what you call sweater, with the balloon sleeves. And my darling, you keep changing your hair. What is your hair like at the moment? Right now, it is a very faded, very grown out aquamarine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm hoping to get it uh, buzzed down and back to platinum blonde. Um, if my home dye job powers cooperate with me. Um, but yeah, I, I went uh, natural uh, about five, six years ago, uh, meaning that I stopped chemically straightening my hair to kind of fit into this specific, you know, beauty standard, um, and started letting it grow out. But with that, because I had been chemically straightening my hair for so long, I, I, I just didn't and I still don't really know how to take care of it. Um, and so that's when I entered my crazy hair era. Um, it started out with box braids of all lengths and all colors. And really, my goal was to get do every single color. And I think I reached it. The only two colors I haven't done yet are uh, what I call comic book yellow and, um, and green, like a slime green. Um, but yeah, I just, it was just another way for me to express myself, another way for me to 
coordinate. I love a good tonal monochromatic look. So that was another great way to kind of explore that um, with the hair and the lipstick and the clothes. Like that's my favorite thing in the world. I, I have so much lipstick. I have every shade of lipstick. Um, and yeah, it's just another form of self-expression for me. I've, I've always had sort of, well, not always, but I, I growing up, I, I started to develop this really loud sense of style because I was so shy and had so much social anxiety for so long, but I still wanted to be seen. And so that was kind of my way to do that. You know, if, if nothing else, if I don't say a peep, my outfit will, and it will, it will say more than a peep. And that's just kind of always been my, my style, basically. Let your outfit do the talking. For everybody yeah. listening, what you wear sends a message. It has a conversation. It tells people about you. It precedes you into the room. Yes. You might as well be holding up a giant sign saying, this is who I am. Yes. So please keep that in mind. And this woman loves a bold lip. We are talking red. We are talking blue. We are talking green. You are absolutely glorious, and you've now become my latest style icon. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow, I didn't realize until this moment that that's all I've ever wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to fashion, you went to La Salle? Yes, I went to La Salle College in Montreal. Um, I started out in fashion design. Uh, it was a terrible time. It was basically like Project Runway, but you don't get $100,000 at the end. So I was like, why am I doing this? Um, and so then I switched over to fashion uh, marketing, but that still wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, at least in, in that course at that time. Fashion marketing was centered around owning a store, owning a retail store. And I was like, I, I don't want to do that either. And so that was actually the what what um, uh, got me to move to Toronto was I couldn't figure out what I wanted. I, I knew what I wanted to do in fashion. I just couldn't figure out how to study it. Um, I knew I was I was a writer, but I didn't want to go to uh, journalism school because I wanted my education to focus solely on fashion. Um, and then eventually I found a continuing education program um, at uh, Ryerson University for fashion styling. And that's when I realized that is exactly what I want to do. Um, and I think I mentioned this to you before. I was raised by Stacey London um, on what that was my religion. Just at, never missed an episode every day, every night at 10 p.m., what not to wear was on. Um, and so I realized like, that is exactly what I want to do. And I moved here and I got a job at Holt Renfrew, um, which is like a huge luxury retailer in Canada. Um, so they're basically like Nordstrom's and I worked my way up into the personal shopping suites. Um, and that was really eye opening. Um, and it was fun just being surrounded by fashion and people who got fashion, day in and day out but you know much like the tech industry the fashion industry has has a bit of a ways to go in terms of diversity and inclusion and belonging and and eventually i realized you know fashion will always be a part of my dna um and but unless i'm working for my own company i i probably don't need to be in this industry it was just too toxic for me at the time um and so i kind of transitioned into publishing 
where I worked for a high fashion um, uh, magazine. And so that was really fun. Got to go to fashion shows and write reviews um, and things like that. Um, and then I don't know, I, I just accidentally ended up in tech uh, because I, I responded to an ad for an editorial assistant, which coming from a fashion background sounds very glamorous, um, uh, but... Uh, that was it was not what I thought it was at all but I still got to write so I was okay with it and then that that became my tech career worked up into marketing and now I'm here as a coach so yeah I, I've I've had many lifetimes of jobs. Um, I, but I did wonder how you segued into tech. Uh, yeah, I've had I've had thirty five jobs, and <laughs> amazing. My uh, my my resume is a little bit like a one of those ping pong games, one of those games at the arcade where things ricochet all the way around. Yep. But there has been things all the way through there. There are patterns and themes of patterns, and patterns of what I help my pun not intended help my clients find but I think you and I are aligned in the fact that we adore clothes I, mm -hmm. I mean I can open a Vogue and want to lick the pages mm -hmm. but you and I are passionate about the women wearing the clothes or the femmes wearing the clothes yes absolutely yeah I just I just think there's something so beautiful about a woman with a strong sense of style and and the clothes that we make for women and and now having seen how clothes are made and having learned how clothes are made it's just even more special to to see that marriage between the designer and and their vision and and the reality and and how it how, how you know a woman carries it and i i just love from beginning to end that whole that whole story um and and that's how I feel picking out clothes. It's it's a story. It's it's an identity for the day. And and people have mentioned to me that you know I I don't I don't have one specific style. I can be more you know grunge one day and more preppy the next day. And and I'm like you're right because for me it's it's more about the story and can I carry it and and does it tap into the side of me right? Like I never went through a grunge phase, but I can wear the heck out of a grunge outfit. That's fine for me. I can be grunge for a day. And so I just I just love that as a as a you know form of expression. And it is directly relatable to coaching, concept, vision, making it happen, steps and final product. It is so in alignment with helping helping a beautiful garment come into being helping a beautiful life come into being. Absolutely. And and what I really loved about what not to wear was, you know, her breaking that 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 coaching aspect of it where, you know, they would break down the limiting beliefs that people had about themselves of like I can't wear this because I'm too big or I can't do this or I have to do this, I have to cover this up. And just what really st stuck with me throughout that whole series was her breaking down those limiting beliefs of who's telling you that and why do you think that way and you know and and then just seeing the difference in how a good well-fitting set of clothes made them feel having you know clients come back with a with an update saying you know I got a job promotion I'm so much happier in my life and and I always knew I wanted to do that in some form or fashion and I thought it was going to be through the fashion industry but I'm really happy that I landed where I am now as a coach you landed in exactly the right place the psychology behind it was brilliant the transformation 
I love uh, my, my clients come away with confidence and the psychology behind wearing clothes that were too big because they wanted to hide, wearing clothes too tight because they had body dysmorphia, dressing too young for their age. And I, I don't like to use those words, but it was about not accepting where you are in life and relishing in where you are in life and loving where you are in life and being able to move on. And there was so much behind it. Uh, women that didn't value themselves, weren't self-caring, putting other people first. That was even more fascinating than the fact that, guess what? You have a waist. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so off topic, you are celebrating three years, I believe, with? With Diamond, my rescue chihuahua, my Aww. baby. <laughs> and yes, she also carries you know, the, the Diana fashion sense, um, whether she wants to or not, she can't really talk back, can she? So <laughs> um, she has almost a, as prolific a wardrobe as I do. Um, and I love to match with her uh, for a short stint. Uh, she did have a, an Instagram uh, called Outfit of the Dog, which was a play <laughs> on the hashtag OOTD. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was so much work keeping it up. And especially because she doesn't like taking pictures. And so I was just like, okay, I'll just, you know, the compliments we get from strangers on the street is enough validation for me. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love, you know, exploring pet fashion now um, that I can. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, I see you and I having a sideline. I see a store popping up. But I would like to, before we finish up, find Diana Cadet. Now, you, that's C-A-D-E-T and uh, D-A-Y-A-N-A. That's the challenge about, about radio podcasts. Go to icusis.co, which is such a beautiful name. Now, there are coaching packages on the site. Yes. And... Uh, the best way to uh, the best way to contact you you can you can find you on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, on the website. The prices are in Canadian dollars, so I will ask everybody who's working who's an, an American currency because at the moment the Canadian dollar is eighty cents on the dollar. May I suggest you pay Diana in American so that she can offer more pro bono work to women out there struggling with mental health issues who need to flourish. That that is very sweet of you. Yes, I my goal with this with with this um, business is to make coaching more accessible um, to marginalized folks um, down the line. So as much as I can do pro bono or sponsored sessions or anything like that, um, the happier I will be, and and hopefully more we'll see more fulfilled women and femmes out there living their best lives living in their purpose um that's that's the best i could hope for please help diana with her mission diana this was such a joy uh you are now stuck with me in your life yay <laughs> <laughs> and i i find you so inspiring thank you for starting my day off so beautifully thank you so much for having me this has been a pleasure as well and yeah we're we're definitely keeping in touch <laughs> <laughs> Have a lovely day. Bye. You too. Bye.